Hi everyone, Tiffany here with a super quick note that this podcast was recorded as part of a previous bundle season. That means that the dates that you're about to hear for the bundle, well, they're no longer correct. If you're interested in seeing what the dates are for this year's sale, please visit thebellydancebundle.com. There you'll find all the up-to-date information on our upcoming bundle. While the dates may be wrong and the class mentioned here isn't available through us any longer, many of our guests still have their courses available for purchase individually, so please do feel free to click through to their offerings and take a look. You're going to want to check it out after hearing how brilliant they are. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. It's Yalarocks episode 9 and today we're talking all about music. Music drives our dance. The music is what we aim to express with our bodies. It inspires us. And it is, a lot of times, what brings us into this dance. And to say it's important would be a bit of an understatement. Today's guest has found herself in a position to create some of that music, and she'll be sharing it with us in the 2019 Belly Dance Bundle this year. With the bundle, we aim to bring everything you need to the table for a well-rounded personal practice even the music. And the 2019 Belly Dance Bundle is going to be on sale from October 16th to the 23rd this year, so head over to thebellydancebundle.com to sign up for updates to make sure that you don't miss it. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. I'm your host, Tiffany, and today we have a dancer who fell in love with belly dance at the age of 11, who now lives and performs in Cairo, and of course, is the producer of some amazing music, Sharzad. Hey. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's about 6 p.m., so obviously I am still laying in bed. (laughs) (laughs) Cairo, Cairo vampire schedule. That's, that's how it works. Um, and everyone, if you're listening to this and the audio is a little choppy every now and then, Sharzad is in Egypt. So that's what we get. Yes. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that one in because that was a really good one. All right. So before we start hopping into uh, our topic today, which is very much based around music. Where did you find belly dance as an 11 year old? How did you get into it? And how has your career kind of spiraled out of control ever since? Uh, it's a very long story. <laughs> spanning many years now. <laughs> um, you know, my first exposure to belly dance, and if, if people listening have kind of known about belly dance for as long as I have, they probably know exactly what I'm talking about. There used to be belly dance instructional videos by these Indian twins named Nina and Veena. Yes. And yeah, for for a certain period of time, they were advertised on certain TV channels. And that was literally my first exposure to belly dance. Uh, and I saw them and I asked my mom, if I could get them and she got them for me and it came with a CD and it came with like a little hip scarf and I was like hooked from day one and the music was a big part of it like I loved the belly dance music so much I don't know what it was so from there after a little while with the videos I asked her if 
I could take like real classes. So she reached out to a local Moroccan restaurant um, to see because she knew there, there were dancers there to see if somebody could teach, like if there were real classes and there was. And this lovely dancer, Maya was my first teacher and my mom drove me to class and she realized everyone in the class was her age. So she decided to just take the classes with me. Awesome. <laughs> so it was, yeah, it was this cute like mother daughter thing since I started so young, like we went together to everything and she came with me to classes and workshops. And um, that's how I started. And I took with a ton of different teachers and we like drove around and took a bunch of workshops for like all of my early teen and teen years. And then when I was about 16 or 17, I started performing like in local restaurants and teaching some like beginner classes in my own area and um it's a it's a long story but uh I just kept doing it <laughs> and um I ended up here eventually I did sidetrack for a few years and take a like a really serious Pilates teacher training apprenticeship um to get certified in that but other than that I've really just been dancing this whole time um even the pilates i won't go into it's been a long time (laughs) (laughs) even the pilates though has probably helped your dancing immensely and your teaching yes it has been a huge influence on um my teaching in particular like um getting to do all of the in-depth anatomy study and like so much body awareness training has totally transformed the way that I teach and the way that I look at um, my body and dancers' bodies. Awesome. I'm, I'm glad that you had such a supportive mom. Yeah, my mom and my dad. Like, um, they were actually just here visiting me in Cairo. They come every year and um, I take them to see a different part of Egypt every time. So this year I took them to the Siwa Oasis, which is like a really remote oasis in the Western desert. Um, So we had an awesome time. They've been super supportive during my whole dance career and process. So I feel super, super lucky for that. And they're really into all of the music and stuff too. So I can even take them out to performances and they're really into it. That's, that's so cool. I I bet there's a lot of people listening right now that wish that like their families were that supportive of their dance. Yeah. I can't, I can't say many other people in my family are, but it's pretty important <laughs> to me that my parents at least are. So you mentioned as a kid, even then you were really drawn to the music. And now that you live and perform in Cairo, you've, you've taken the opportunities presented to you to really help create and record more of that music for dancers all over the world. And can you speak a little bit about how that all came about, how you started making these CDs? Yeah, there were a couple of reasons that I wanted to move to Egypt and to work here. One of the main reasons was that a lot of my early jobs in my dance career were actually with live bands. And after that, I started doing more of like the teaching and workshops and, um, and traveling. And I absolutely love dancing with live music. I love improvising. I love doing a whole show and I love the music 
And this is one of the places in the world where you can really work every single night with a band. Um, these days, uh, it's becoming more popular um, for some venues to have dancers that only dance with like a DJ or a flash drive. But actually this summer, I started refusing outright those jobs just to focus on work with my band since it is less prevalent now. Like it still exists a lot, but definitely not like it used to in Egypt. It used to be that every single dancer would work with live music, but now it's like a huge mix. So since that was one of my main reasons for moving here, I was like, I'm not going to waste my time with dancing with recorded music anymore. Like I really want to put all of my time in with my band performing. And one of the huge benefits of having your own band and doing regular rehearsals and really getting to choose how you want the music to sound is creating your own sound like that and having access to a group that you can do recording with if you want. And that was a big thing I, I wanted to do when I came here. I really wanted to, to create music and put it out there because it's something that's so important for me as a dancer and something I'm so passionate about. And to have the access to it, like, why not? Got to go for it. Right. Especially with when you have your own band. How many people yeah, can say they have their own right band? There. <laughs> it's all right there. I have to do something with it. And um, now there's so much music in the market that sounds really, like, really, really synthetic to me. Yes. Because it's mostly keyboard and they don't have as many, like, actual musicians playing for the music. So that's another reason for me that pushes me to record with the band is because, like, I like the sound of all of these musicians and it gives a totally different feel to the music. Yeah, sometimes to get that sound, you have to go back to some of the older albums that are more orchestral. Totally. In a personal practice, what place do you feel that the music really has? Does, for just practice, not necessarily for performance, does, does it come first or, and then you figure out what to practice because you have the music or do you figure out what you want to practice and then find the music that matches that? We're talking mostly like technique here, not so much choreography, because obviously that's like a whole different thing. As far as technique goes, for myself personally, when I practice, um, one of the first things that I focus on is like individual movements that I maybe want to drill and make better. So I pick the movements first, and then from there, I generally pick the music because one thing for me that I think it's really important is I always practice movements directly with the kind of music that I would use them for. I don't just mindlessly put on music when I practice. I specifically choose music that like this technique is going to this kind of song and I practice it with the rhythm or with the music that I'm dancing to always. Um, it helps with improvisation as well as choreography because you're just kind of training your muscle memory to go along with the music as opposed to thinking of them as two separate things that you have to put together later. That's, I've never heard anybody suggest doing that. So then how do you arrange your playlists and things so that you can do that more efficiently and effectively? Because I know a lot of times 
if people show up and they don't already have their like their practice playlist made or they don't already know what they're going to practice music is a huge distraction it can be where you just end up sitting and organizing your music for an hour instead of practicing for an hour yeah personally I kind of categorize my playlists um, by music genre so I'll be like this is Mijense playlist this is Tabla Solo playlist this is Shabi playlist this is Mahraganat playlist because from there, I can just pop on a certain playlist and it brings up like a certain number of movements that I would be using for each one. So if I'm going to practice more like graceful arabesques and combinations and arms, I'm probably going to pop on a Tara playlist, some classical songs. If I'm going to practice with more like shimmies and strong hip technique, I'll pop on shabby or I'll pop on a tabla solo. <clears throat> And another thing that I do to build uh, rhythm musicality as well is I will practice to just rhythms. Um, so if I'm practicing hard hip technique, maybe practicing with like mock zoom. If I'm practicing moving steps, practice with malfouf. And this is a way to build muscle memory along with musicality as, uh, as opposed to just like randomly moving to any, any music. So let's, let's talk a little bit more about musicality then. As someone who's trained extensively, you live and perform in Egypt, can you illuminate some of the differences between kind of the Western view of musicality and an Egyptian view of musicality and kind of how Western dancers can emulate, change their, change their views a little bit that direction? For me, the biggest disconnect that I see is just coming from uh, understanding of the music. So the way that I like to explain it to people is like in America or like in whichever country you're from, you grow up with certain kinds of music and depending on what community you're from and what kind of music you're listening to, listening to, you grow up with certain associations between specific movements and specific music or specific beats. Like you automatically know how you move to this because you've just grown up doing this. That's how dances in the Middle East, uh, especially in countries like Egypt, where the dance is such an important part of the culture and it is so entwined with the music. If you hear one rhythm, automatically you start moving a certain way to it because this has just been trained into you since you've been a kid. But as Western dancers, we don't have those kinds of music and movement connections formed in our brains and our bodies. So we come into it from an outside perspective and what we focus on and hear in the music might not be what uh, Egyptians do because we're just not used to it. One habit that I see Western dancers have a lot these days, and this is a good example of the difference in musicality purely based on uh, understanding of the music is the Wahida rhythm that you hear in Tarab songs, like Um Kalsum songs. This rhythm, there's a big downbeat on one, and it's very apparent, especially in recordings for belly dancers, they hit that downbeat pretty hard. But originally, in this kind of music, this rhythm is really supposed to be understated, and it's just supposed to show the time and kind of keep time for the singer and the 
musicians and the focus of the music is more on the lyrics and the orchestration from the different instruments. But since we might not understand the instruments and what the singer is doing very well and how to emulate that, we tend to just latch on to the easiest thing there is for ears to pick up on, which is that doom, doom. And then that becomes like the whole focus of the musicality. And we end up missing out a lot on all of the other details in the music. And how do you think that people can, can train themselves to become more aware of these connections between moves and the music and this understanding of Middle Eastern music in a way that, because it's harder to do as an adult than it is as a child, right? Like my 18 month old already knows how to do the twist and all these other mm-hmm. dances because we just show her how to do them in our house. But we didn't grow up with that in Middle Eastern music, like you said. So as an adult, it's way harder to kind of connect those things in our brain. So what do you see yeah, totally. dancers do to kind of try to make that a habit, change their habits, really? Yeah, I think the number one thing people need to do is really study the music, um, study the rhythms, first of all, and pay attention to how the dance movement changes depending on what rhythm you're using. Um, because there are very clear movement and rhythm associations in Egypt. Like when Maksum comes on, the dancer is still, she starts doing hip drops. When Malfouf comes on, she starts to move around the stage. There, there are different rhythms that definitely have specific movement connections. And I think that's the first thing that kind of starts us in with a better understanding of the musicality. And of course, after that, just in the different parts of the band, practicing with rhythm, making sure that you can dance just with what the musicians like uh, accordion or violin are doing by themselves so that you can mix that element into what you're doing. Because I think... (laughs) I think that's probably the hardest part for Western dancers is, is that there's so much detail in the music. You have to switch between following the rhythm and following the melody and focusing on the singer. So I think if you can kind of build your musicality step by step, starting with the rhythms and then studying the different instruments and how to move just improvisationally to melodies. And then after that, taking some time to learn about the different important singers in Middle Eastern music, always making sure you're touching in and learning about the lyrics and the feelings of the different songs. And honestly, for me these days, there's no excuse (laughs) to not study (laughs) stuff because you have YouTube. Everything is on YouTube. Watch Egyptian dancers from the past and from now and take notice of how they choose to use parts of the music as opposed to Western dancers. If you really focus in on things like that, like are they moving their hips to the rhythm? Are they moving their hips to the accent? Like, are they following the melody with their arms? Are they following the singer with their arms? Like little details like this, if you watch and watch, will tell you so much about authentic uh, musicality, especially when you watch older dancers, because the more modern Egyptian dancers definitely are mixing more 
modern elements into the dance. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would go back at least like 10, 20 years to get a really good example of like very straightforward Egyptian musicality, especially with the hips. That's some awesome advice. Oh, good. I'm like, I was I'm, like oh, I'm not rambling. <laughs> no, no. I, I think that gives people a really good starting point to kind of start looking at their knowledge of rhythms and then their knowledge of the instruments and then looking at the singers. It's like, it's actually, I think that's, that's pretty much a roadmap, everybody, Ta-da. <laughs> to, to head over and, and see what you can learn there and bring it back to your dance. If that's something that you want to, to do, if that's something that is part of the style that you want to create in your own dance, then that is absolutely a way. To, well, <laughs> well, let's do it. I'm, I'm going to butt in here. Do it. <laughs> and say that um, I like, I'm pretty supportive of all belly dance styles and I have a lot of friends that do like tribal fusion and stuff. But one thing I will say as far as tribal and more fusion styles go is that I think learning the authentic and original musicality and music of the style you're doing is essential if you're a fusion artist because you should have a well-rounded understanding before you take it and it goes with the dance what makes it what it is and if you don't understand that part of it then I think you're doing a disservice to the to the dance and to yourself because when you have a better deeper understanding you're going to understand more about how you can mix and fuse it with another style in a way that's going to favorite favorite tribal fusion dancers have done a lot of study as far as like the rhythms and the music goes um in belly dance and the other styles in which they mix if it's like indian or roma um and those i feel are like the most successful artists and that is a big reason for it I, that I completely agree with. There definitely needs to be a base understanding of where this dance comes from and what it is traditionally so that you can base anything that you do to it in that place. And the more, the bigger that base is, the more that you understand, the better you'll be able to move forward in your own dance. Yeah, totally. It opens up a whole lot more and it makes you more credible as a dancer and as a teacher, like no matter what style you are. So for dancers who uh, are struggling with finding music to practice with, especially new music, which is something I struggle with personally, so it's a little bit of a selfish question, being on the ground in Cairo probably puts you in contact with a lot of this new music before it makes its way to the rest of the world. Can you kind of give us some tips on how to find some of this? Yes, I totally can. As I said before, YouTube is an excellent resource, but I am totally aware that like, it's hard to find stuff if you don't really know where exactly to look or what exactly to search for. So of course on YouTube for classic music, you can find amazing full length videos of Um Kalsum concerts and Abdel Halim Hafez, who's another really important classic um, Egyptian singer from the golden era and Warda would be another one. You can find all of these artists, like their actual concerts on YouTube. 
as well as modern artists singing their songs as a part of a live performance concert. I practice to a lot of that stuff. But as far as the really new music goes, there's a lot of Middle Eastern, almost like Middle Eastern MTV, like music channels, and they just play music videos all day. These are really good ones to look up online in general or on YouTube. One of them is Nagum FM, which is Stars Radio. Another one is Mazika. That's a really big music channel in the Middle East. Yeah, looking up channels like that is going to help a lot with just tuning in to what's new and what's popular over here. And once you start like watching these channels and you're finding the songs, I've always heard that making sure to follow those artists like on your on your YouTube profile will help bring up their new music as they as they continue to release it so you kind of you almost get this like rolling ball going once you've found it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and if you see a song you like it, just copy their name, pop it in the search and and go find them. Um, some other channels that we have specifically here in Egypt for new music, we have Shabiet, um, which is like the Shabi channel. El Moulid is another one. There are a bunch, but I would say in general in the Middle East, that's going to be playing a mix of everything is the Mazika channel, which is M-A-Z-Z-I-K-A. Oh, I was so close. <laughs> <laughs> I will get the spellings from Charzad for all of those, everyone. So make sure to check out the show notes page and everything will be linked there. So Charzad, your contribution to the 2019 Belly Dance Bundle is two of your CDs, Cairo Cabaret and Iconic Rhythms of Egypt with Marshall Boddicker, both of which I'm super excited for people to have a listen to. And everyone, the Belly Dance Bundle will be on sale this year from October 16th to the 23rd. Other than checking out these CDs through the bundle, Sharzad, how can people connect with you? How can they find your music? How can they watch your performances on the internet? Well, I am addicted to Instagram. <laughs> so you can definitely follow me there, Shahrazad Dancer Official. And um, I have a Facebook fan page as well. It's Shahrazad Dancer. Um, and I do have a YouTube channel, which I am going to be doing big, let's say, renovations to this month, or I might be opening just a new one. So stay tuned for that because I'm working on some really cool video content here in Egypt around town and with my band, some really cool like insights and educational videos about the dance here and what the work is like and just like cool stuff about the music and all of that. Well, I'm sure everybody is very excited to tune in to that because again, how many people can say they have their own band that they're able to record these kinds of things with? Yeah, got to take advantage of it. <laughs> got to take advantage of it. So, Sharzad, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. Thank you for talking to me. That's a roadmap laid out if I've ever heard one. An understanding of the dance from the cultures of origin is paramount to any dancer of any style. And taking the time to study those things can only improve your dance. 
Plus, Charizard's advice to practice moves to the music they go with to drill it into your body's memory? It may sound basic, but how many of us just hit shuffle on our playlist and go, regardless of the music? Take a little bit of focused time today to put together some playlists for the things that are a priority in your practice right now. But don't let this take over your dedicated practice time. It happens way too often to me, so I'm betting it does to you too. It's easier to do this with your library if you set aside a little bit of time at the end of your practice. That way it can't take over. I like to do it with cooldowns. I drag over my laptop, listen to bits and pieces of music, and then sort them while I stretch. And it may feel like you're not getting much done, but after a couple of weeks, your playlist will start to look a bit more substantial. So if you've enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about Shahrazad, you can check out our show notes page at thebellydancebundle.com slash nine for links to her website and social media channels. Have you been enjoying Yala Rocks in the 21 Days of Belly Dance Challenge? If so, I have a favor to ask. Can you head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave us a review? That's the best place to help people find the show. The easiest way to get there is to go to www.thebellydancebundle.com review, and that will redirect you straight to the iTunes page. As for the bundle, we'll be announcing the price and all of the content of the 2019 bundle in one place in the next couple of days, so be sure to stay tuned on Instagram or to your email inbox if you've signed up for our newsletter. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing and for just being you. Now, go enjoy some music.